Hey, Iron Pigs fans, Mike Ventola back with you here on episode six of Pig Pod. Hard to believe that we're, you know, now six episodes into this thing, and um, I feel now the rotation of co-hosts are starting to come into play. Uh, to my left, it is Kevin Whitehead, the director of multimedia and entertainment. Kevin's normally behind the scenes. That's He's right. stepping onto the scene now, and Kevin, welcome to the Pig Pod. Well, this is a little bit of a different position for me. Uh, usually I'm, I'm back there behind the camera, but we're really uh, scraping the barrel here trying to find a, uh, a regular co-host. Don't sell yourself short. You know, I think the rotation of co-hosts is cool because one thing Kevin and I have talked about behind the scenes is that we want a flurry of different co-hosts because we have a plethora of folks on staff that you, the fans, want to watch and listen to and hear what they have to say on the podcast, you know, week in and week out. That's right. Everybody has a different viewpoint of this thing. Uh, everybody has a different role. So to get a different voice and different person in share is a good thing. We'll have, I would imagine, some sponsorship. Uh, eventually, our president and GM, Kurt Landis, on the show as well. So, look, we'll, we'll get a little bit of different flavor, a little bit of different personality. And, look, there's a lot of people that affect this place and really make this place go. And so... You know, I mean, we just get stuck with you most of the, yeah, I know, most which of the time is, here. I, maybe that's the reason why uh, ratings are down. But anyways, um, I'm just kidding, of course. Ratings have been great. want to thank you, the fans, for listening and watching and subscribing as well, too. Hopefully those comments can keep finding their way on the YouTube page. Matthew Barry still wants to know what folks think of his mustache. So well, they, the guy shaved it. I know he did. The guy shaved it, so now he's got a cold upper lip now, and he <laughs> he, he brought that out to the fans, <laughs> yeah. and, and then he got rid of it. So I think I think we, we know where he stands on uh, that. Yes, I think so. maybe he wants to move on. Case is closed. It. Case is closed. But on this episode of Pig Pod, um, before Kevin and I get to what our topic is going to be today, um, we are excited, of course, a little bit later on to be talking with Ryan Eldridge and Kristen Bartholomew from Dorney Park. So that's going to be a lot of fun, um, but we'll get to them in just a little while but Kevin and I outside of what we do here at Coca-Cola Park we are still at the end of the day very passionate baseball fans and one topic that we really wanted to get to because it's kind of a nice little break from the nuances of what's going on it's been a very busy offseason for Kevin and Alex Shemp his right-hand man um, creating a lot of graphics and videos for the upcoming season but um, there was a recent vote regarding the Hall of Fame for Cooperstown and you know, you have the Contemporary Era Committee um, getting a plethora of players. Not a full ballot, as you normally would see uh, the writers, but it's a mix of former players, uh, media personalities, front office executives, and baseball historians that voted for X amount of players for national enshrinement into Cooperstown. So um, you have to get 16 votes, or, you know, there are 16 votes. You have to get 12 out of the 16, and it was Fred McGriff. Crime Dog himself getting inducted into or getting, you know, the opportunity to be inducted into Cooperstown uh, in next year. And um, he got 16 out of the 16. The rest of the guys, Kevin, they didn't make the ballot. How about that? Unanimous for Unanimous. the Crime Dog. Uh, for me, my memory of him is, you know, later in his career. I mean, I'm sure for you, you know, yep. too much older than me, a little bit older than me. <laughs> I'm a little but, bit older. I mean, here's, a, here's an RBI machine, somebody that was uh, just just a menace at the plate. I mean, his numbers all speak to that. Uh, Close to 500 home runs. Yep. On, you know, when it's all said and done, and he's he did that across multiple teams. I believe six teams right. uh, where he he donned their uniform, and and he kind of did the same for each. Uh, you know, big RBI guy, somebody that came up into the clutch, and really with mainly the Atlanta Braves. 
Yeah, I mean, look, he was a part of the 1995 World Series championship team. I mean, he played in over 2,400 games. It was just uh, 10 hits shy of 2,500 hits. But for me, the 493 home runs really stood out, and as well as uh, the 886 OPS. You know, that was a really good OPS when you think about it. So um, I always felt like Fred McGriff should have gotten in the nat in the original and traditional way when the writers vote in. You know, but of course, then it got trimmed down from 15 years to 10 years eligibility, um, and then he was left to go to the subcommittees now that are voting X amount of players in. So yeah, he got 16 out of the 16. Uh, Donning Mattingly got eight. Kurt Schilling got seven, Dale Murphy got six, and then Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Rafael Palmero got less than four each. So before we get into all that, I agree with you, Kevin. I mean, Fred McGriff, his home runs were fantastic. I remember him vaguely as a Brave, but I even remember him as a Devil Ray. And mm-hmm. I can say the De- Tampa Bay Devil Rays because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when you kind of think of all-time Tampa Bay Devil Rays, Wade Boggs first comes to mind. Sure. You know, but then Fred McGriff was also kind of in that as well, too. He was a... Um, a popular uh, Devil Ray during his short time with the Rays um, back in their, when they first came in as an expansion team uh, in the mid to late 90s. So. Yeah, and, and Fred McGriff, he's an interesting case because, you know, it's the these votings don't have an effect on one guy. Right. You know, the result isn't singular. You look at all the other, other players that this is going to affect, you know, they didn't get in on the original ballot, but you may see a lot of other guys, especially from this era and this band of, of players, be affected by, by this voting. Now, you know, there's, you know, one guy we just said offhand in, in the office here was just, you know, what does it mean for other guys that kind of got passed over before? And you mentioned some of the, the voting that, that has taken place and that, that didn't qualify for the Hall of Fame. But, you know, guys, guys that had similar numbers. I brought up Carlos Delgado. Yes, Carlos Delgado. Yeah, you know, he, yep. he was a guy that was passed over, but for, for Crime Dog, it seemed like, uh, he, you know, he had a little bit more traction with the voters. He certainly did. Don't have the numbers in front, but he had a higher OPS in his career, playing less games. I think he was anywhere from 50 to 60 home runs shy of what Fred McGriff had. But I know, like, hits-wise was eerily similar. Doubles was eerily similar. And he was left off the ballot. Like, he didn't even get the 5% or whatever it was to stay on. I I just think when it comes to Hall of Fame voting— I, I think it's sometimes more than stats. I think people are tend to go right to the stats. I think, and I guess this is kind of where I fall in more so, and I know Kevin and I, when we have these uh, discussions about the Hall of Fame, I'm, I, the eye test comes into play more. I think when you actually, you know, when fans, writers, front office people, whomever, you know, when they look at a ball player, they sometimes look at the eye test. You know, at the end, they, does this guy have what it takes? Um, I'm, if I were a uh, voter for the Hall of Fame, people would hate me because I don't think anybody should ever really get into the Hall of Fame. I think it is an elite class of people. Anybody. And I like, I mean, I, when I say not anybody, like, it seems like we're going from the, the best of the best to the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. We're going, yeah. we're getting and into I feel that like, territory. I feel like Crime Dog, you know, between him and um, even, even most recently, like uh, Scott Rowland, yeah. Todd Helton. These these guys are bubble guys that you know that have decorated careers that have you know that excel well on both sides of the baseball, especially with Roland. You know he brings several Gold Gloves to to the equation, including the a couple of World Series cha- championships. Yep. Which you know it's a team stat, but at the same time he's part of uh, a really good team, so that's how they draw more attention to themselves. But I look at I look at these guys. I thought I thought McGriff was a, a little bit ahead of those guys. Me agree. But when you look at Helton, 
uh, and you look at Scott Rowland, Scott Rowland's going to be an interesting case. You know, he's, he's going to get the votes to stay on the ballot. He's going to hit that minimum. So he'll always be part of this. And, you know, there's other other examples through the years, like Burt Bylevin, that just kind of stayed on the ba ballot for that long in. and eventually got in. I think Rowland will be one of those guys. I think he gets in this year. Eventually. And I think he's got a really good shot. He's going to get in this year because I think he was close to 70% or just shy of it right. in this last year. So he's going to get in. Right. And you know what? Um, he had, uh, a w and I'm not, I'm not a big wins above replacement guy, but at the end of the day, it is a recognizable stat. He's got a 70 war. Fred McGriff, it was a 52 war. So, you know, if yeah. Hall of Fame voters are voting on it, um, and I've told you before, I wouldn't be upset if a guy like Scott Rowland gets in. I just don't think I would cast a vote for him, even though I think he was really, really, really good. Um, but I'm not going to cry wolf. It was almost like, um, you know, I'm trying to think who was uh, recently put in. Um, Larry Walker. Like, to me, I remember Walker. watching Larry yeah. Walker. Larry Walker was really good. Um, obviously, playing in Colorado. I don't buy the Coors Field nonsense. To I mean, me, course, there's, it, there is a Coors effect, but he he did have those home road splits that yes. supported that argument of, right. you know, he could play in any ballpark. Yes, he He's can. still a Hall of Famer. You know, I didn't think to him as a Hall of Famer, but when he got inducted, I was like, congratulations to him. And obviously representing uh, Canada, being the first Canadian, I believe, or yeah. one of the first few to be inducted into uh, Cooperstown. That's a, an awesome honor. So I'm not one of those, even though I won't vote for guys, I'm not going to be like, a Debbie Downer if they get in. Like, to me, I yeah. celebrate it because at the end of the day, that is such a monumentous, um, you know, feeling to be like, man, getting Sometimes up. it's okay not yeah. to have a Hall of Famer in. I mean, Correct. we saw it in, I believe it was 2020 or 2021. There was no one even selected Correct. That, that got the amount of votes. So let's be a little bit more selective here as we go. And now, you mentioned before is, yeah, the, they have the contemporary, then they're, they're talking about another... System yeah, of voting it, it, so, after this, so, so we're, so we're going to have three rounds for these guys again. So in? pretty much, like for example, Kurt Schilling now won't be available, be eligible, excuse me, until twenty twenty five. It'll be another subcommittee. I forget the name offhand, but like, yeah, Schilling got seven out of the sixteen. Let's. I'm going to be a little brash here on Pig Pod, so to, you know, forgive do me, it, Mike. I'm going to do it. Um, is Kurt Schilling hasn't been voted because of his political ideology and because of. Um, his outspokenness. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to dare, you know, say I agree with the man or whatnot. There is the character clause, and he, to me, has violated that character clause. But when you, I look at him, and, and I watch Kurt Schilling through and through, okay? No, to be even more blunt, I grew up a Yankee fan, and he, watching Kurt Schilling and what he and the Arizona Diamondbacks did in the playoffs sure. and in the World Series still gives me nightmares. Sure. Like, okay, and how Playoff good he performer. was. He was, Wherever in my opinion... Was. If I'm if I needed to win one game, I'm probably I, like outside of Kurt Schilling, I'm maybe going to Pedro Martinez, and that's it. Like if I need to win one game in the postseason, yeah, Madison Bumgarner, maybe comes Madison to mind. Bumgarner, like, but like Kurt Schilling, if you need to win a game, he it, it he's the guy. Yeah, he pitched in so many big moments. His playoff numbers were through the roof. And in our era, in our era, our lifetime, I mean, those are the guys that come to mind. Yes, it's it's Shill. It's the big unit. Oh yeah, you know it's Madison Bumgarner in the in the playoffs, and to keep him out, keep him out of the baseball story. You know, if you bring bring your kid to the Coopers down one day, you know, and you you don't have Kurt's Kurt Schilling, his bloody sock, I believe, is there. His bloody sock made it, not not his sculpture. I'm just saying, not his head, not, uh, not, not, not his not, accomplishments, not, not the accomplishments. So I I got a big problem with that one. I do too. Like, I, and just I look the, at, what happened. 
He was a Philly in between too, man. The, the white lines. And hey, I see that's that's what it comes when I down vote, to. I tend to vote more if I were to vote. Excuse me, vote in between the white lines. Yes, unless they did something really bad. Obviously, then okay, like all right, you know, if they broke the law, steroids, or. or Settle down on that. I don't want to. That's take why this. these guys are out. I, I mean, mean uh, come on. Let's, call a spade a spade. I mean, look, uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Rafael Palmero each got less yeah. than four out of the sixteen. To me, it's a joke. You know what? Let's be honest here. When it comes to people talk about respecting the integrity of the game, okay? I look see, and you got to think of your mindset of what you view Cooperstown or any sort of Hall of Fame. To me, I take it more as a museum. Now, when you think of it, my definition of a museum is essentially it pretty much tells a story of what took place in the past, regardless, regardless whether it was positive or regardless whether it was negative, mm-hmm. okay? You know, um, and despite steroids being terrible, I, you know, I wouldn't want to see ever see a player get, you know, commit, you know, uh, take steroids. It's cheating at the end of the day. I'm not saying you recognize them because of their cheating. You know, to me, I would almost put an asterisk. Like a shoeless Joe. Like a shoeless Joe. You know, like to me, yeah, shoeless Joe bet on the game. He cheated. But like at the end of the day, their on-field accomplishments, they were still, shoeless Joe Jackson was still one of the best players in the game back at the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. Barry Bonds will, in my opinion, be the greatest home run hitter I ever witnessed. Roger Clemens will still be one of the greatest pitchers I ever watched. Rafael Palmeiro, a 500 home run hitter with a 3,000 hit type guy. One of the best players I ever watched play the game. And now those guys aren't going to get in. Yeah, and, um, I, think, and I think two things can be true at once. I think, I think you're disrupting the integrity of the game if you use steroids. Because really it's helping you recover. You know, we're, when you're talking about 162 right. games, you're able to recover. Guys will tell you the, the wear and tear and it takes mm-hmm. on your body. And you, you're able to bounce back. And you're, not, you're able to be on a little bit more if you were off it. Barry Bonds, when he stepped in that box, he had an, an eye like no other hitter. Correct. Uh, look at his walk records and yeah. his intentional walk records uh, as just an oh, yeah. imposing guy in the RBI spot. The Barry Bonds treatment, right? That's oh, a, yeah. The thing in baseball, you're walking a guy in, give, conceding a run so you don't allow four. I mean, this, this is a guy that changed the game yes, in, in the, way, the way he played it, even pre-steroids, if you want to look at his body of work with, did Pittsburgh, with Pittsburgh Pirates. Good enough to be a Hall of Famer. And to be a giant. And, you know, and I get it, you know, a lot of people have differing opinions about it. I get it. They say, well, Mike, do you want to reward cheating? No, I don't want to reward cheating. But what I'm trying to say is that they should be recognized because at the end of the day, Bond still hit the most home runs in a season, hit the most home runs of all time. Mm. Roger Clemens, the amount of wins he has, I think over 320 wins in his career, the amount of strikeouts he has. Um, you know, I just, it, to me, it's frustrating because, I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to take, you know, if I get married, have kids one day, I'm going to take my kids to Cooperstown, and they're going to, you know, after I tell them the stories about Bonds and Clemens, they're not there. I'm going to have to, you know, going to say, well, the, the, the Hall of Fame, you know, baseball writers, they felt like they don't want to vote those guys in. So here's yeah. my thing. Some too. of that is personal, too. And it is personal. Like, to me, I'm not condoning this either. But, you know, there are people in the Hall of Fame that have, you know, there are players, whether it's in Cooperstown, whether it's in Canton with the NFL, that took other sorts of, you know, uh, you know, amphetamines were big back in, you know, you know, 50, yeah. 60 years ago. Players took amphetamines, you know, to, and that was a performance enhancement drug, though it's not, it wasn't considered it at the time. Right. But they took them. And, you know, and who knows how many players are potentially in now. Well, I'll say, well, if that's the case, then why recommit that sin? 
goes back to my original premise. I view the Hall of Fame as a museum, and sometimes you have to recognize the negative effect, and you could say, despite them being enshrined, they did shed a bad light, and we can learn from their mistakes mm -hmm. constantly. And when you a analyze the player, and when you kind of zoom in on that, and yeah. you talk about the the personal responsibility of players or knowingly, you know, taking steroids, and when you kind of, and then when you zoom out and you think about what they, how they impacted the game, and how really the the commissioner of baseball and all that, they didn't turn the they blind eye. Yeah, turn the blind eye. Hey, we got butts and seats again. We're coming out of the strike. So. There's a lot of parts of this. I'm not excusing it by any stand, but if, you, if you're Major League Baseball and you're taking a stance on this, you can't suddenly have revisionist history and come back and say that was, that was bad moves on their part right. when, when you essentially were an accomplice in them breaking... Not, 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 uh, I w they didn't have any rules at the time. But, no. But... Uh, there was a book I read... Um, by Mike Lupica. Mike Lupica was a longtime um, uh, reporter for the New York Daily News. Um, covered the New York Yankees for a long time, but then you saw him on the sports reporters on ESPN with like Mitch Album and, oh, sure. and other uh, sports reporters. I love Mitch Album, by the way. He's my favorite writer, author, however you want to say it. Um, he wrote a book called Summer of 98. And Bear with me, Kevin, because you're going to make fun of me. Story time? It's, well, not story time, but it was a two-parter. He wrote about how the summer of 98 saved baseball because there were two right. facets. Right. I'm going to get the one out of the way so you can boo and yell at me. The dominant run of the Yankees in 1998, boo me now. But more so, that kind of was the backstory, was how the home run chase saved baseball. Yeah. And, let, and who was involved in that home no run chase? No question about it. Uh, Albert Bell? believe it or not, was in that home run yeah. chase early. Albert Bell well, was... Well, he finished he, third he, he, in the majors. And then he, he started at the gate, but then I think I heard at one point, but then came back, he slowed down. Sammy okay. Sosa and Mark McGuire. Because let's be honest, and I remember that 1998 season. My dad and I, we talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. You were glued to the television. Whether you're watching a St. Louis Cardinal game, the Chicago Cubs, yeah. you know, the watch both Sosa, the watch McGuire. Rivals. Both being rivals. It's funny. Everyone rival. wants to talk about, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox or the Phillies and the Mets. That 98, you kind of couldn't help but watching Cardinals and Cubs games, like the Midwest. Right. Was, and it's funny, we're like birth, in a lot of ways, we're a lot of homegrown ball players, you know, out in the Midwest, you know, to really see two prominent franchises and their star players go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And, by the way, they, they were like the best of buds, too. Like, you never right. saw any foul play from those two. Right. Like, they kidded each other, you know, yeah. in press conferences and whatnot, um, you know, and then... Obviously, and, and I am still convinced the summer of 98, if that home run chase doesn't happen, and Kevin, you talk to your folks, you, you know, you talk to people, they'll tell you that home run chase didn't happen. Baseball may not have ever fully recovered. Yeah. And you're coming off a of strike. You, you needed to bring fans yes, back. Yes, you did. You had you to. needed to bring fans back. And, you know, my, my family members talk about it all the time. You know, we just distanced ourselves from baseball, found other things to do, you know, spent our discretionary income in other ways correct and that but that home run chase the the ball flying into the outfield seats that's really what brought the excitement back into the game like I still remember McGuire's 62nd home run down the left field line at Bush Stadium you know uh, and you know uh, Joe Buck on the call for that his dad was on Cardinals radio at the time um, you know calling that home run Sam and it was against the Cubs so in how Sammy Sosa was able to embrace that embrace yeah. it so 
We can keep but talking. But they're not in. We can. But I think we have two very important guests coming on. Is that right? Yes, we do. And I know, Kevin, you're not going to be joining on this side, but I know you'll be joining uh, your right-hand man, Alex, on the other side. But we're very excited to have Ryan Eldridge and Kristen Bartholomew from Dorney Park. And, you know, we're bringing them on because not only just Coca-Cola Park, but Dorney Park is a top entertainment facility in the Lehigh Valley. Many from all over, you know, come to Dorney Park to ride the rides. As we, you know, as we know here at Coca-Cola Park, people come to watch uh, baseball and, of course, enjoy all the fun that we provide day in and day out. So I'm looking forward to asking them, of course, about how our relationship works, but also getting a chance to talk about what they do in season and off season. So let's make a do for Ryan Eldridge and Kristen Bartholomew from Dorney Park. And we're here with Ryan and Kristen from Dorney Park. And guys, want to thank you so much for uh, joining me here today on Pig Pod. And uh, I feel like both of our entities are kind of the same mode right now with it being a quote-unquote off-season. But let me start out by saying, how are you guys doing? Doing great. And um, as you know, the off-season, what is that really? For guests, it means that they're not at the park. But for us, it just means we're hustling and getting ready for 2023, which is crazy because, um, as Kristen and I were talking about, we started doing that. I think as soon as Grand Carnival ended in the middle of the summer. Yeah. So it's it's full throttle. Yep. August, we are full on planning for next year. So there really is no off season for us. I'm sure you know the same. <laughs> yeah, we're the same way. You know, we kid around here. Um, usually the month of September was kind of like a... It, was kind of like a chill month for us, but now with the season being extended to the end of September, forget it. You know, we're Kurt Landis has us going already full fledged to 2023, and Major League Baseball already has us for you know getting stuff done for 2024. It's just it's kind of the world we live in. But um, I want to start by talking to you both. Obviously, you both have different roles, but you work hand in hand together. So Ryan, I'll start with you. I know you and I kind of do a lot of similar stuff for you know the spokespeople yeah. for our respective entities. So for you. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you do over at Dorney Park. Yeah, so I mean, I'm really like the public representative here in the community for Dorney Park. And obviously, that's a, a huge responsibility. I think the biggest challenge of that job is pulling in all the great work and the great stories and the great things that we're doing around the park from our team and just being able to unify one voice and then be that voice. And the other thing that we're doing is constantly churning out social media content. You know, it's really important in 2022. And we found that through different mediums like TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, we can find uh, different and unique audiences who are willing to engage and are just like love the park, whether it's been 20 years since they've been here or they're season pass holders. And, and that's really cool. And then I get to do the charity work too, yeah. which I know you guys love doing that stuff too. But to be able to give back, um, whether it's at LVHN or Second Harvest, just to be able to work with those partners in the community. And then some of our local police departments had an event on uh, December 6th. So that's really cool too, to be a part of that and to see that work come together and just to be able to be that person who kind of gets to be out in front of those things and then work with those behind the scenes who don't love to be on camera, <laughs> like Kristen. That's me. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. And then just doing the photography and the film yep. work, um, I really am passionate about that, and that's what I love to do. And that's really when I tell people, I'm like, I'm not the big on-camera guy. I love doing the photos and the video and then putting that together and then seeing what the response is and, and how much people love our park. So wear a lot of different hats, but I think the biggest thing is just making sure that we have one voice for our park and that we're good partners with the community. I think that's ultimately the main function of my job. Yeah, you and I work hand in hand in that regard just because we're in the same way, you know, here for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, which is great for you. But, um, Kristen, I know for you, you work, we work a little bit more closely together. I know uh, Doherty Park always has um, a haunt night here at the mm -hmm. ballpark, kind of coming to the end of the season, getting ready for your guys' haunt night. But as manager of brand activation, 
talk us a little bit more, not just about our partnership together, but of course what you do for Dorney Park day in and day out. Yeah, so like Ryan, I wear a bunch of different hats too. Um, we're a small department, it's just me and him at the park. So I um, work on sponsorships like yeah. you guys. Um, it's one of my favorite parts of the job, getting to work with different people in the community. Um, but on top of that, I make sure everybody stays on brand. Our brand is represented appropriately um, within the park and outside of the park. Um, I do some advertising. I work with radio stations to give them cool giveaways on the air and bring some talent to the park and have some fun with them. Um, season passes are a big responsibility of mine, making sure all of our season pass holders are taken care of, doing some cool events for them in the park. Um, among other things, I'm sure I'm missing, but you're like, <laughs> those are the main. Yeah, things. you're like the park strainer, you know. Yeah, exactly. When you have like that mess come out of the pot, and you've got to dump it in and hope all the good stuff comes out. That's Kristen because I have all these great ideas sometimes. She's yeah. like, whoa, what? wait a minute, right? That is not our brand, or like the, that is that color scheme, and she does a really great job of that. That's like Kevin Whitehead here. He tries to keep me on track uh, oh, yeah. because I can be like a, um, I could just be all over the place at times. He's like, well, Mike, settle down. We got to get back on track here. So yeah. I get what it means. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> creative folks, you know, they got a real, you know, people like us. And, but look, Dorney Park has been a staple in the community for a very, very long time. A lot longer than us here at Coca-Cola Park. And, you know, I think, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit, you know, prior to recording uh, this episode, people would think we're competitors. We're not. We work hand in hand uh, together, which is so great. But for you guys, having been the top entertainment uh, spot for such a long time here in the Lehigh Valley, what does it mean to you knowing that not just folks here in the Lehigh Valley, but you get people all over the world, essentially, all over the country and world that come and want to ride your rides, want to, you know, take in all the cool, fun stuff that you guys do uh, 365 days a year? Yeah, I think not only is is it crazy what you're saying but i think it's also like a tremendous responsibility right like we represent the lehigh valley for a lot of the country like a lot of folks when they come to dorney park that may be their only experience in the lehigh valley mm -hmm. and they're coming from neighboring states like new york new jersey maryland delaware and they're also coming from different places like we we had a big group of guests come from ohio this oh, year wow. just to ride demon drop because it was at one point at, at, at cedar point and, and we've had folks come from from california and texas because maybe they have been to our sister parks in different states like schlitterbahn or knott's berry farm um, and then there's just also people you know there's a huge group of enthusiasts and i'm sure you guys have the same thing mm -hmm. too for minor league baseball but that, that just love parks and they love like getting different experiences and getting different roller coaster credits. So I think for us, it it is, it's really cool, but it's also a really big mm -hmm. responsibility to make sure that we really are a good ambassador for the Lehigh Valley. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way when you're on the road. Um, you got to really think about that and how you interact with people and then how the park looks. And we take um, great pride in how the park looks and the cleanliness and things like that. Yeah, it's a bit surreal to think that Dorney Park has been in existence since 1884. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. That's yeah. a lot older than any of us here. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So it is kind of cool just to kind of walk around and know the things that have been there in the park since that time. Um, we have little placards around, so if anybody's in the park, you can see the placards that are mm -hmm. up there that says what these things are and when they were built. And it's really super cool to know that we're part of such a cool company um, that's been around for years and years and years. Yeah, it's an honor. It's, it's obviously it's a tremendous honor for you both and the rest of your staff. Uh, they get the opportunity to work there day in and day out. And you know, I think too, too um, you know, when you think about for you specifically, Kristen, you know. You working with sponsorship, working with advertisers, 
you know, obviously, yeah, okay, you're Lehigh Valley based, but I'm sure you have had the privilege of working with companies that are outside the valley that, hey, we want a piece of Dorney Park. What can we do? Get our name, get our brand on the walls of Dorney Park. I'm sure you've had some lengthy discussions with companies over the years. Yeah, and we, you know, we do have to be choosy and make sure it's the right fit. Again, me yeah. being the branding, make sure it's the right fit for us, right? Trainer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's fun working with a bunch of different companies that we can make that relationship with. And, and I'm not just saying this because I'm here today, but yeah. you, the Iron Pigs are definitely one of my favorites. We just kind of get each other because we are fun. We um, give fun to our guests, fans. You know, it's, it's just what we do and it's what we know. And I think it's kind of a no-brainer for us to, to partner together because we just understand what each other does. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, we certainly do. And I know, you know, we have one game a year, but you guys are sponsors with us, you know, all, all throughout the year and all throughout the season as well, too. You know, I mean, we have um, in between inning games, of course, you know, go look on the video board. We have the uh, the roller coaster uh, race, you know, which is a big, uh, I think our fans really like it. <laughs> Once at a blue moon, when Kevin Whitehead has me fill in as a public address announcer, it's probably my favorite thing to do because myself as a play-by-play announcer, I get to kind of put that play-by-play hat on. So a credit to you guys creating the roller coaster race uh, for our fans here at the ballpark. But you know, okay, so we're two entertainment facilities, right? You know, we're, we appeal to families. We appeal to kids of all ages, you know, even adults of all ages. So especially because you're not just a roller coaster park, but you have a water park as well, too. So um, how do you guys balance out knowing that, you know, you're getting all these different ages, you know, all these different types of families and knowing that you guys can appeal to everybody? You know, does it make your job easier? Does it challenge you both, though, to, to try to step up your game as well, too, because you don't want to become bland either. So. Yeah, I think that's a tremendous challenge for us. Um, I think obviously, you know, when you think about families, okay. there is once again, a responsibility there. And it is an <laughs> honor to be able to provide enjoyment for families. And just thinking about a family, right? It's whether you got a parent or a guardian, you've got an adult, and then you've got the children and you want to provide a little something for everybody. I think that's where things like food and beverage are so big and our merchandise and then just those those walkable areas where there's a little bit of something for everybody and then the entertainment whether it's a live show or maybe one of our live bands that mills around the park there's got to be a little bit of something for everybody but then I think too it's like then we've got haunt which is a little more edgy and a little more exciting and that's when we're really trying to like give something to like the younger adults or maybe the adults who don't have children so Grand Carnival is the same kind of thing Mm -hmm. that's a big event and that's kind of got like a bayou vibe maybe a little bit new orleans kind of like a fiesta flair Mm -hmm. and that's something too that so we do we have to try to find a balance of how do you provide something for folks who don't have kids or or coming without their kids and and then how do you provide something for the kids and then we talk about the history well that applies to people that have been in the valley for years and been coming to dorney park for decades or or years and years and, and they're thinking to themselves man i still um, our very first season pass holder, uh, he's a local reverend, and he comes every year. He wants to be the first person on Thunderhawk, right? <laughs> and and that's is. not like, when you think of Dorney Park, you're not thinking of somebody like that. But, man, he is like a part of the fabric of Dorney yep. Park. So it is. It's a tremendous challenge, and social media is a tremendous challenge. Like, where are people living? Where are they at? How do we reach people, whether it's traditional medium or social media? Um, I don't know that there is like a, a right answer, but I think the, the real answer is like, you've just got to keep grinding. You've yeah. got to keep trying to be creative and be different every day and think about like, 
how do we meet people where they're at and how do we keep them entertained once they're here? Once we get them in the door, then it's a, it's a different mm -hmm. task, right? Yeah. Well, I'd say also challenges for those that don't really like roller coasters, right, Mike? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's that's, that's like Folks like me, that's why you have my, you know, my attention because obviously Haunt Night and, yeah. and some of the other cool events that you're going on. I apologize to, to any... You know, folks that you know That's listen. Why we do the live shows, Mike. exactly. So, yeah, the live shows. You know, yeah, like, exactly. hey, go ride the roller coaster. I want to really watch this show. Again. Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna watch it for the fifth time. You know, as you guys go watch the roller coaster. But that's the cool thing about Tony Park. Like, okay, yes, you have a bunch of roller coasters, but you also have rides for all different sorts of ages. Mm -hmm. You know, you have different you know shows and events. Um, which makes it appealing. So for like myself who likes to go to Dorney Park, okay, I may not go on a roller coaster. I have a terrible fear of heights. I'm sorry. Terrible fear, fear of heights. But outside of that, though, you make it so exciting because there's so much going on as soon as you, you know, punch your ticket and walk through the gate. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and we pride ourselves on that, too. It's okay if you don't like roller coasters. We'll... Yeah, we'll make fun of you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just you, know, but, you know, there is the water park, like you said, is your yeah. favorite. Planet yeah. Snoopy is an entire planet for just little kids. Um, yeah. It's an amazing area inside of our park. It's right smack in the middle. Um, it's themed with peanuts and Snoopy, so it's really oh, Right up my alley. Yeah, adorable. Who doesn't like Snoopy? Well, Charlie Brown Christmas is my favorite Christmas special. Okay, so like, you, you know, um, so anytime we see Charlie Brown is, you know, right up my alley, so. Exactly, so I, I think we pride ourselves on having a lot for everybody in all different ages. And if there's one thing that you don't particularly like at the park, there's something else for you to do. Yeah. I got to talk to you guys about Haunt Night because I know with it, you know, Halloween's being over now for a little while, but Haunt Night is such a huge hit. Um, I know you bring, you know, every year part of our partnership on a game sponsorship, you guys bring the characters out. Mm. They are awesome when they're walking through the concourse here at Coca-Cola <laughs> Park. Some look really scary, um, but some are also, you know, obviously uh, very much getting into the bits as well, too, which is what I like. To me, if you're going to put all that paint on, that makeup and that... Um, uh, all the costume wear you got to be all in which is yeah, great to see so when you you're be all in. i was missing for you guys and you guys have been through it you know uh, Kristen, you know you sent us a photo of uh, you uh, all decked out in the haunt you're stuff welcome. but but for you both like um what do you think makes it so appealing for folks that like every time you are advertising for haunt night people are like fighting through it to get to the door because i you always drive by dorney park cars are piling in you know mm -hmm. so yeah. for you guys how did it become so successful so I, th I think, Go sorry, Ryan, it, no. I think it's the scare and the rides. Okay. We get both. both. Yep. Right? Yep. A lot of, we have a lot of scare um, events in the area, but I think ours is a little unique yeah. as that, you know, you can come for the scare, but you also get the roller coaster. So again, if you don't really like the scare part, you still have the coasters that you can do and the rides while, while you're there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then add on top of that, the entertainment, mm -hmm. we've got live shows and live offerings that make it go to the next level and i think that it is it's literally you're going for the rides right and everybody loves the rides but now you're getting it's and the the door price is usually less i don't want to say for 2023 but i mean you feel like you're getting more bang for your buck because you've got so many cool live shows and it just feels immersive mm -hmm. and then you've got the scare zones and the scare mazes and it just feels like there is a ton of stuff to do so if you kind of get through two or three scares and you're like pump the brakes yeah then you can Maybe not you, but you could go ride Steel Force <laughs> yep. or you could go ride Talon. And what's so cool about that, too, is because it's getting darker earlier, you're getting like those night rides and you can start really getting more and more night rides because you've got more time than you do in the summer. Mm -hmm. no. I think it's really cool yeah. to see the park transform, too. So if it's you're amazing. used to seeing it in the summer version, 
it looks completely different during September and October. Yeah. It's just, it's a complete different vibe. It's, it's an amazing feeling. And I think our guests just like seeing it in a different light as well. Yeah. And our staff's energized too. Like there's a good energy. Like, uh, I'll, like I can't wait to get after it. I say like our monsters enter every night at like the lower portion of the park. And when they come out, it feels like a big time college football game. Like the words out, our guests are like piling up near the fence where they come out. Yeah. And it, you just feel like you're at a big time football game when they come out because they have so much energy and they're like so excited to get started. And they're just like trying to make their way to their scare zone or their maze. So they're just like, but that energy is like contagious and it just kind of like lasts the whole night. And it's just really cool time to be at the park. You know, you talked, both of you talked about earlier about the Reverend that, you know, has been a long time uh -huh. season pass holder. We have yeah. folks like that here since 2008. We have season ticket holders that have been here every game. Um, we have, you know, yeah. our probably biggest fans and things of that nature. Um, but our game day staffs, like for us here at Coca-Cola Park, like your game, your your seasonal workers that are coming and operating the rides or, you know, working the concession stands, things of that nature. Um, how... You know, I'm sure you have a balance. I'm sure you have people that have been there, you know, 20, 30, however many mm -hmm. years. But then you get mm -hmm. some newbies each and every year. Um, like us, we know our game day staff is so crucial to success. The same has got to be for Dorney Park, I would have to think as well. Absolutely. Big time. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I think you're right. I mean, for us, there are. There are people that, because um, I came on board in, at the very beginning of 2022, and mm -hmm. they are quick to remind me, like, I've been here for 25 <laughs> yeah. years, or I've been coming back for 26 years, or seven years, or eight years. Um, and there is something that keeps them coming back, and there's something that they love. It, it, it's like being a part of a, a big family. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, sometimes maybe we, we feel a little dysfunctional because it just gets <laughs> so crazy in the summer, but um, it, there is. There's kind of like a, a love factor, and we all really enjoy working together. And then, like, each year, like you said, we're pulling in different internationals, um, and then we're pulling in a lot of our college students and our high school-age kids and trying to, you know, provide them with that same environment that maybe we had when we were younger and working at Dorney Park or maybe just creating that environment from when they visited or mm -hmm. when they have been there and making sure that it's an atmosphere of of people who want to create that fun environment for families and adults and seniors and, and folks who want to be there at the park. So there is a tremendous balance, but I think it's great to have that that older group, that group who's been around for season after season because they can really kind of provide a context for those younger staff members of like, like, this is how we do it at Dorney Park in a good way. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and shameless plug, we'll start hiring in January. Yeah. So no, that's okay. Friends, that's fair play. January Tell your 6th. friends. That's fair <laughs> play because, you know, we're uh, we're the same boat, too. We're always looking for game day uh, employees, especially mm -hmm. in the food and beverage department. Same. You know, I, I feel like that's universal yes. uh, at this point. Well, um, they're the hardest workers. They I, are. I, well, one of the hardest workers. They hustle. I and say, it gets hot. Yeah, it does. It's hot. <laughs> they hustle. People want food. I, Hangries. <laughs> like, I'm sure you have exactly. folks that oversee everything that happens in the world at FNB, mm -hmm. you know, for us, Alex uh, Rivera and Brock Hartraff, you know, what they are able to do here, um, it's crazy. And how they are able to pull employees and keep them, you know, get them trained. And I tell you, I wouldn't want to do it. I give them all the credit in the world. Anybody's got to work in food and beverage. Yeah. It is yeah. exhausting. And your food and beverage team is amazing. It's one of my favorite parts of coming here. Yeah. I, just... yeah. I was going to ask you. Yeah. yeah like, yep. I mean, Stuff I know everybody, <laughs> I got to talk about the food. So I guess for you both, when you come to a baseball game, yes. what's the go-to for any sort of food item for either of you. It's got to be like a hot dog or a pretzel. Oh, um, pork and nachos. Then some kind of, here? Oh, pork, yeah, pork nachos, nachos okay. Fries. That's good, yep. Nacho yeah. porker, right? Nacho <laughs> porker. Yep. porker. Yeah, but I mean, any, and then if you guys have like, anybody has a unique variation of a hot dog or a pretzel, yeah. it's it's a wrap. It's yeah. pretty easy. Bacon-wrapped hot dog was, was once yes. a thing here. I don't know. It was. That was yeah. a few years back. Yeah, that was my jam back in the I've day. Been, but. I've, been pushing the I've been pushing the bacon cannoli. 
You know, yeah, I've been pushing, you know, because like can't turn down a cannoli. No, man. exactly. Oh. Like, uh, who, you know, who would ever eat a cannoli at a baseball game? Well, I do. You also 100%. don't like roller coasters. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. I'm just weird. Okay, let's just put it out there. I'm a weird guy. You can't like, turn down a cannoli. No, I'm with you. Uh, like people ask us, you know, what are you know favorite things about the ballpark or favorite things about, you know, what we do day in and day out. But I feel like for you guys, my question is a little bit more refined. What is an unknown or a, um, a rare misconception, shall you say? Like, obviously, people love everything about Dorney Park, but what's maybe a rare hidden gem at Dorney Park that people still don't know about or maybe they know just a little bit about that you feel like, man, when you come here, you got to either experience it or, like, you got to, you know, take part in it. You know, is there anything mm. like that at Dorney Park? Mm. I think the whip. The whip. Yeah. It's a good one. It is. It's yeah. over 100 years old and oh, wow. it's still functioning. It's still in great tip top shape and it's a, it's a really ride. fun ride. Okay. It looks kind of boring a little bit because it's just flat. It's right on the ground. It's just a little oval, but it's mm -hmm. so much fun once you get on it. Okay. History and family fun. It's not height. So yeah, that's good. Good okay for me. Good. I'll get on the whip next <laughs> time. This is not, I mean, this is not in any context right. But when you asked the question, my mind immediately was like, I said Cedar Creek Flyers in my yeah. brain because <laughs> it's tucked away. It's hidden. And the thing gets no love, but it's a great ride. Okay. Um, and it's over by Possessed. And it just feels like people just kind of skirt by it because they're so focused on getting the Steel Force. Gotcha. Or okay. Thunderhawk or Possessed. Like they want to get to one of the roller coasters that they just kind of miss it. Mm. So it's just kind of hanging out in this like beautiful spot in the park. And it's like a fun family ride. Like anybody could. <laughs> do it and like the whole joke with it was is it really a hidden gem maybe not but i was advocating for it hardcore on social media like hey like there's been one person on this thing in 40 <laughs> minutes like someone get down here and ride this thing um but that's just the kind of stuff i think about but i think there's like plenty of hidden gems um just to be out of the park and see all the different things and i think like demon drop is like a forgotten gem okay i i thought it was gonna hurt when i wrote it this summer <laughs> but it was actually like really cool and you can't really get a ride like that anymore right. and you don't really get rides like that anymore for it to hold up that long and still be fun for me is like a gem i don't know about it's hidden because it's so tall right but, um it's still a fun ride it's a really great ride but i thought the whip was a great answer You're, thank that you good. Yeah. no that's good no <laughs> yeah, that's really no, good. i had to ask because i'm sure like folks who like either wanted to go to Dorney Park or haven't gone there as much. I think it's always cool, especially at amusement parks. Like, what's that hidden gem or what's that ride that no one maybe goes on as much, but it's, it's actually really, really fun. So yeah. right now, too, I mean, obviously, we talked about earlier, no off season, but you guys have a drive through uh, Christmas uh, event, you know, yep. with all the lights. One night, my girlfriend and I and her family, we did that uh, two weeks ago. It was awesome. Uh, you turn on the radio station, you hear the Christmas carols. It's fantastic. Um, so it always feels like, you know, when we drove through, there was um, there were a lot of cars. Like, you know, we had to, we had to be a <laughs> yeah. little patient driving through. So uh -huh. um, is it kind of a nice break from all the, uh, you know, all the other stuff that you guys would normally do throughout the uh, busy season? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Ryan doesn't want to answer this. No, I know. I, I, I can. <laughs> so it's a third party um, that we work right. with to bring the lights in. Yeah. So it's kind of nice for us. It's not as stressful as, say, a haunt or a Grand Carnival. Right. Um, we just kind of talk to them. Here's where you set up and that's where you go. So um, it's nice to have something in the park at this time of year because we normally don't. Right. So it's nice to kind of look outside and see those lights and see the guests mm -hmm. still coming back to the park during these winter months having fun. Um, but 
it's kind of nice that you got stuck because you don't want to drive through fast. No, right? I didn't. No, that's no, the thing. You have yeah. to kind of take your time. Right. You know, I mean, kind of take it all in. It was great. You know, you have all the the reindeer, all the different lights. I feel like there was every screen. These polar bears is doing these weird yep. dances. Yeah. <laughs> the polar yep. bears. I kind of sat there. I got through the first. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Then they popped back out again. I was like, all right, man, we're, yeah. we're in. The, we're all in on this polar bear thing. Yeah, and I filmed so, it. Um, I think it was Thursday night, and it was uh, well, it's fun. It was fun to film yeah. it. Um, and just to you know, you hook up the. In my case, it was a Jeep, but I hooked it up with a bunch of different cameras and you drive through real slow. And then like, I'm getting out to get a couple shots and they're like, what is this guy doing? Um, but you know, I thought, you can't I thought do like, that normally. No, do not get out my of favorite car. thing is like the ones that feel immersive that are like going over your car yes. and around you. Like the, like you said, the polar bears as you're kind of going through another light tunnel. Yep. Um, and it does, it just kind of provides like a really nice ambiance. And then if you look off in the distance, it's like you got the dominator in red yeah, and green. Right there, yep. Of you got the star. Um, so it, it's cool to still, um, be relevant because mm -hmm. people always ask us like what do we do in the off season which a lot of it is like we're doing a ton of maintenance right yes now. of course um, and human resources is loading up to hire and food and beverage is like getting ready for inventory so like there is stuff going on mm -hmm. but it's still nice to have something that's visible to the community they can see and be like hey there is there's something going on there so, uh, it's and it's great you know all the you know whether it's haunt night the Christmas uh, drive-through it's just really cool to see um, you know that you guys are still busy and keeping stuff going and the off season to the in season so once we get into the new year and once the um you guys are getting ready to open uh, your doors for um you know for the new season when shall you say is normally when you guys open doors like for us opening day is uh tuesday april 4th like when is quote unquote your guys opening day well the, the calendar can shift um but it is up on the website it though. is up on the website yeah. um and typically it's in that may 6th through may 12th window okay. i believe cool. this year it's like a may 7th mm -hmm. is planned for season pass holders and then may 12th is like the unofficial official opening day am i wrong on that i'm not i'm it's something like it's, it's right still around there. That's still, yeah, that first week of May, and we also do a food truck food drive with WFMZ, uh, oh, which cool. is usually the last weekend in April. So yeah. for us, that's kind of like the unofficial kickoff of like, okay, yeah. now, it's, now it's time to go. You know, we're doing the interviews, and we've got the food trucks pull in, mm -hmm. and a lot of that is for second harvest. Right. Um, so you would donate an item, and then you'd come in, and then you can enjoy food from a food truck. So we'll really start to ratchet up in April for like actual mm -hmm. operations, and then they do different different things, whether they're testing out rides or um, they have associates come in and have a ride day sometimes just to kind of get everybody in that environment and get ready to go. So it is a really mm -hmm. April, May is yeah. when we ratchet things up. Yeah, it's exciting when you're in your office and you hear Steel Force running. Yeah. Because you know the season's yeah. you know it's starting ready to come. Because they do have to cycle the rides yep. so many times before we open for the season. So it's, it's a really yeah. exciting day. Um, when you hear that whoosh of steel force going down the hill. Yeah, and it was so frustrating because, uh, you know, social media stuff, like yep. you want to capture every story because I'm just mm -hmm. a storyteller. And I think like I had a doctor's appointment or something in the morning <laughs> and my phone just like blows up like steel forces went for its first run. Steel forces went for where are you? Steel forces running. And I'm like, whoa, man, like the one yes, day because it, it yeah. it's like a big deal. <laughs> which yep. I realized this year is like it's a big deal when steel force takes that first run. Um, it's just got it, that sound that yeah. you hear it and you know mm -hmm. what it is. You, you don't even have up. to see it. You just know it's Steel Force right? And the birds chirp and a rainbow comes from the sky and the sun <laughs> yeah. pops out yeah. and it's like, we're ready to roll, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Ryan, Kristen, it has been an absolute pleasure getting you both here on the Pig Pod, just talking with you guys. I feel like we can continue uh, for another hour. At least it feels like uh, we've been talking for an hour, but I want to thank you both for coming on here and just talking about your brand and obviously our partnership as well too may continue to grow and uh, 
Come back anytime, especially, you know, we'll yeah. have to schedule another visit, especially in season. You know, we'll have yeah. to get some going. I want to put a plug in, too. Yeah. I mean, you can talk to Kurt, but I mean, trying to get some of these players out to the park one day for like a fun day, do some photos and video, put them on a roller coaster <laughs> let's do, with let's you, go for you know, it. just Done. do something. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'd love, we'd love to have you guys out. And, and we really, we do love the partnership. We think, it's, mm-hmm. we think it's a perfect fit. Now, it's funny, real quickly before I end, because you mentioned about if the players want to drag me on, yeah. I would have to put on my big boy pants and do it. <laughs> yes. So real quickly, one of the last minor league teams I worked for, we were, um, it was in the Midwest. So we were playing a team just outside of St. Louis. Mm. I had to go, it, we decided to go into the arch. It's 630 oh, yeah. feet oh. in the air. Yeah. But when you go in to get to the top, it's like a pod from Men in Black. If you have claustro, if you're claustrophobic, no shot. <laughs> I looked at it, went in, there were the two, I was with two other ballplayers. I'm like, I can't, as the, as the radio announcer, PR person, I can't, I'll get made fun of. I literally sat in there. Just didn't say a word. <laughs> made it to the top. I wanted to cry, uh, but I got through it. So it may just have to take a little, like, you know. Here we go. You know, a little bargaining, you know, yeah. to get me on. Ours so. is open air. No claustrophobic. That's a, yeah, That's no true. claustrophobic. So. Yeah, talent, talent, you'll feel pretty secure. You got it. That's good. So maybe. We'll get you, Mike. We'll get Certainly you. Well. But guys, thank you again and um, continued success over there and uh, enjoy your holiday. Thank you, you too. Yeah, thank you. All Thanks righty. for having us. Thanks for time. Do want to thank Ryan Eldridge and Kristen Bartholomew for joining me here on PigPod. I had a lot of fun talking with them, kind of just learning a lot about what they do in season, out of season, the trials and tribulations of you know off season, but in season stuff too. But knowing that, hey, there we get to work hand in hand, and that there are still some similarities when it comes to working in entertainment. Yeah, it was fantastic get to get that insight from from them, and you know know that there is no off season. Likewise mm-hmm. with our our business, same with them. And, you know, there's a lot of entertainment options here in the Lehigh Valley. Yeah, there certainly are. But so to our fans, to our viewers, our listeners, um, be sure to go visit Dorney Park throughout the, throughout the year. As of course, there's always been great supporters of us here um, at Coca-Cola Park. So that's going to do it for this edition of Pig Pod. I do want to thank from Kevin from Stepping Beyond uh, the camera side to joining us here on air. We'll be sure to get some other co-hosts throughout the year. Matthew Barry. He'll be back at some point. But in the meantime, follow us on Spotify, follow us on YouTube. Be sure to watch, listen, and be sure to leave a comment in the YouTube channel. So as always, thanks for watching for this edition of PigPod. Go Pigs!